Mulaney! Mulaney! Omaha! Live. You like that? You like that? In the entertainment capital of the world. Rogers. In trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in it? In the end zone. It is caught for the win. Richard Rogers with a walk-off touchdown. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Play action. Has some time. Deep shot for Parker. to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Oh my goodness, the legend just goes on. The doctor is now in. How you like me now? Here on a Football Friday, hour number two, continuing on live from the Superbook, the world-famous Westgate Las Vegas. T.C. Martin, Marco D'Angelo in the house. I want to thank Jay Cornegay for joining us, the fine vice president of the Superbook, for joining us in hour number one. We're going to be breaking it down for it. all four games coming up here in hour two, plus our best bets right on the way. Trevor Manich will join us via the phone. And Trevor now freshly off of his uh, college duties he with ESPN, so now he can concentrate uh, on the NFL. So we've got that. The best bets on the website at tcmartinshow.com, including Scott Spritzer, our other handicapper extraordinaire, our professional handicapper, along with Marco D'Angelo, Gilby the intern, and yours truly, all on the website at tcmartinshow.com. Also, Check out our interview yesterday with uh, Steve Berline. Talked to him, got his thoughts uh, with the preview. And uh, we have our preview on the homepage as well on the blog side. So check all of that out and more. All right, uh, the news coming down. It's not official until I get that press release from the Las Vegas Raiders. But uh, everyone reporting that Antonio Pierce is the new head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. So obviously Mark Davis listening to... Uh, his players also, like we said, Mark Davis is going to do his due diligence. We talked about, you know, his committee and, you know, going through everything, having all those important conversations. Uh, as of right now, what we're hearing is that uh, still working out the details of Antonio Pierce's contract. And it is believed that Antonio Pierce will um, be able to now name his own staff, so look for the Raiders to basically have a major upheaval on both sides of the football, which, uh, you know, every head coach wants to bring uh, his own guys. So look for Bo Hardegree, others to probably not be retained. And again, remember, this was Josh McDaniel's staff, and someone had to coach this team when he was let go, and Antonio Pierce was was the guy, even though he was hired by McDaniel's, I uh, think that, you know, maybe in the interview process that Antonio Pierce said, hey, you know, I'm not necessarily McDaniel's disciple. I'm my guy. See what I've done before under other teams. And uh, the players obviously responded to him. Five and four, finishing this season as the interim head coach. Uh, so we'll give you some thoughts on that as well, too. And join us now. The head coach, the former head coach of the Vikings, former tight end, and uh, always great to have him here on the show. Good friend Mike Tice. What's shaking, brother? What's happening, TC? What's up? Look What's at up? You. I like your sweatshirt over there, Mark. <laughs> that very nice. I didn't you even realize. You know, I'm, I'm always on. giving Marco a bad time about who uh, about who he's you know wearing and everything. So I think yeah, he's got the, the right side. sweatshirt on yeah. this week. Yeah. Hey, I see it as a Mike, dem- demolition ask, derby. Ask him what he has underneath. Oh, what do you have underneath? Nobody underneath today. Last week I had I had two shirts on last yeah. week. Yeah. I had Steelers on top and in the, and unfortunately the Eagles underneath. What did those oh. two teams what did those two teams have in common last week? <laughs> They're both from the same state. That's They're both losers too. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully win one, lose one. Hopefully this is your you know Well I, I was between the forty nine er and the Buffalo sweatshirt today, which one I was gonna wear and I, I did this one Sunday, I'll have the Buffalo one on. I like both of those. That's a good job, man. I'm Coach, with- let's let's talk uh, about the Antonio Pierce uh, yeah. hiring by the Raiders. What are your thoughts? I think it's uh, wonderful. Okay. I think he did uh, an excellent job after taking over uh, a unit that was, uh, you know, not playing up to the potential of the talent. And not only that, not playing with the energy that you want to see and the passion. There was a lack of passion. So something was wrong there. And when they made the change and Antonio took over and, and being a former player and being a former player that became a coach and became a head coach, I understand the energy that Antonio 
probably brings into the building and the energy he brings into the meetings and on the practice field. And I'm going to pretty much guess without standing on the practice field at any point last year that uh, that is what happened. And that's why uh, Mr. Davis made the decision to, uh, well, we don't know, like you said, it's official, but that's what everybody's saying. So, um, you know, if, uh, I think it's great. I really do. I think he's going to do a great job. I think he's probably learned a lot. I'm sure he's going to bring in some other, uh, I'm guessing, some other mentors of his that could be on the staff. I wouldn't be surprised if you, you know, see a Marvin Lewis join the staff or somebody like that that he totally, you know, respects. But maybe not. Maybe uh, he'll go out and be his own man and just uh, ask those guys for advice from afar. You were in this exact same situation. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. With Minnesota. How important is that to have someone that you consider your mentor or at least someone that you could lean on that has that experience for a first-time head coach? Well, I did two things. First thing I did was reached out to Chuck Knox and uh, made sure Chuck was around as much as I could. So I brought him in for minicamp. I brought Chuck in for training camp. He was one of my great mentors in the 80s. Learned a lot from him moving from quarterback to tight end under Chuck Knox. And then I hired George O'Leary. You know, George was my high school head coach and uh, was a coach at Georgia Tech and then had the incident uh, with the resume in Notre Dame after he was hired by Notre Dame. And he was in a bad spot mentally, and I asked him if he could come and help me out. So I brought George in, and every day before he went home, George came in, and we had a one-on-one in my office. And that was very important, not to say I agreed with everything, uh, because he is a New Yorker. So... uh, (laughs) But uh, it was great having those conversations each day and learning from a guy that I absolutely trusted. Mm-hmm. You know, Antonio Pierce, how would you grade him as far as we know he's got the ear of the locker room. He's a former player. Players resonate with him. We get that, all right? On the field, the way he ran that team in-game decisions. Well, it's like any uh, coach, especially a young coach, a new head coach, you have on your staff somebody that's going to help you with all those analytics now, with all those decisions of, uh, you know, beyond going for it on third and fourth down, or excuse me, fourth down, beyond, you know, attempting the things that we all look at nowadays and say, what? Why are they going for it on the minus 35? So he'll have somebody. The clock management thing is the big deal. Right. You know, you got to have a great understanding of the clock manager. You got to, you know, always try to save your time out. So it doesn't always work that way, mm-hmm. you know. And there's going to be a new learning curve. What's the learning curve when they lose a couple in a row? And, you know, as a former player, Antonio has earned the respect of the players because he's a former player. They know he's walked in the shoes. They respect that. Now, you've earned it. How do you keep it? You keep it with a consistent message each week, and you don't waffle back and forth after a loss between, we're going to do it like this. No, 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 we're going to do it like this. So I think that's a very important thing, that he stays the course in whatever direction and the, th- and the changes. And he'll make other changes. Uh, you don't want to go in, uh, and I'm sure he didn't. I can't say for sure, but I'm going to guess that he uh, didn't make wholesale changes. He made some changes. The biggest thing he brought was his personality and uh, his knowledge of defense. And, and, and then now, I'm sure in the offseason, he's going to look at everything and make beyond personnel moves mm-hmm. other changes that when the players come back, it's like, okay, this is how we're going to do it for a full season. Mm-hmm. We did it like this when I took over the ship. Right. And we you know, semi-righted the ship, yeah. and they did a great job. And the players played hard for him. You were in this exact same situation. Talk about the difference being the interim guy where, okay, I've got to take over the ship with this crew that I got. How much were you looking forward to, okay, the next season, the off season, where you could build your own staff? And, and did you feel still a little bit of loyalty, even though you were just hired just like all those other guys, so they weren't your guys per se from the interim staff? How much turnover did you do? I did not do uh, a lot. Uh, I did. Uh, it was more, a reason I did, for that. Well, so uh, I only was the interim coach for the last game of the season. True. So right. that yeah. was a lot easier. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, Denny Green, God, God rest his soul, and and uh, Red McCombs came to a mutual agreement that Denny was leaving. There was one game left. Hmm. 
I actually didn't think I was going to be the guy for the one game. I thought it was going to be Willie Shaw, veteran coach, uh, but Red chose me. Okay, so, you know, offensive line coach, uh, special team coach, those tend to kind of be the guys that they'll pick as an interim, right? Right. Uh, so I had one game. Uh, kept a lot of the offensive guys, uh, but Brian, uh, you know, had taken some of the guys that I worked with, Billick, when he left a couple of years previous. So some of the guys on staff were newer guys, different systems. Um, I didn't have the budget that Danny Green had. So for me, I went out and raided the college ranks, hired Scott Lanahan from the University of Washington, mm-hmm. you know, brought in, uh, you know, Chuck Knox's son as assistant special team coach, hired former players, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, hired two or three former players that had not coached before, not even in high school. So I had a shoestring budget, but it's going to be a little bit different for Antonio. He's going to have a you know, great budget in a great city uh, with great fans, uh, and he's going to have uh, great facilities. And I'm, I'm anxious to see how he does. I yeah. think he's going to do I'm anxious to see his moves, too. Right. I'm anxious to see. To me, I would probably say, but I could be wrong, there'll be less moves on defense and more moves on offense. Right. The big offensive question in whether it was from above or whatever, Jimmy Garoppolo did not play. They went with O'Connell the rest of the season. Is a head coach being hand? I mean, you had better quarterbacks, obviously, at Minnesota. How does he proceed in the offseason? Is O'Connell the guy? Well, you have to bring in an offensive guy that, that can really give you a good determination, a good evaluation. Uh, I'm not a God bless Jimmy. I'm not a Garoppolo fan. So um, the young kid did a nice job. You know, do you want to go in that direction? He's building a program. I don't think they're going to expect him to go out and go to Super Bowl next year. Of course, the fans want him to, but I don't think that's reality. So I'm anxious to see the moves that he makes. And, and like I said, especially on the offensive side, he's got to find himself a good coordinator that can give him a good determination of what he has in the building. Mm-hmm. The names uh, that, that we're hearing that he may want to bring in Marvin Lewis, Tom Coughlin, Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson actually had a stint, a couple stints, you know, as a coach with, you know, the Browns and the NFL, Raiders as Raiders, well, too. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, some and, veteran guys. Veteran you know, guys. Have great experience. That he can lean on. Yeah. I.e., the George O'Leary for Mike Tice. It's uh, yeah. uh, somebody that has been down the road and can give uh, advice. It, it, you know, it's not. As you guys know, you've been following it for a long time. It's not always going to be the way you think it's going to be. And so then what do you do? And what's your message to the team when every one week or two weeks in a row, everything you said, none of it comes true. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, now what do we do? Because you can't lose the ship, you know. You you can't lose the ship. You can always write the ship. But, boy, once you you start losing the ship, it's, as McDaniel found out, it's hard. They don't play. They don't play for you. Mike Tice joins us, former head coach of the Minnesota Vikings, and talking about Antonio Pierce being named the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. Other names were out there. Jim Harbaugh, we'll find out later if Mark Davis even had a conversation with him, but we know that Harbaugh obviously had meetings with and interviews with the Chargers uh, as well as uh, the Falcons and probably others. I always felt that, okay, you have to have those conversations. And Mark Davis took a swing and a miss, and he, and he missed with uh, Josh McDaniels. It's been an uneasy road for him, you know, guiding the Raiders and everything. And I know that he feels like, okay, i got to get this right. There had to be some hesitation about wanting to go with Antonio Pierce, even though that whole locker room was saying, hey, you know, give this guy a shot. He's our guy. And we got to, most of those players, or a lot of those players, or some of those players won't even be back. You know, so you just can't have that go in your head. You've got to do your due diligence as an owner because you feel like our time to win is now. This isn't a major rebuilding project. We've got to nail this right. How important is it for an owner to just, especially when you have veteran guys that are out there, like Harbaugh or Pete Carroll or Bill Belichick, that you at least have to have conversations, right? Yeah, I do think you have to listen to everybody because there yeah. might be uh, one guy you sit down with that totally blows you away right. and, and you get, uh, no pun intended, enticed by him. Right. And so... <laughs> 
That could happen. Uh, it sounds like to me he put together a pretty good, I don't want to say committee, but I guess that it was That's it what is, it is. Yeah. of people yeah. that he's listening to and people that are asking the pertinent questions because there are questions I'm sure Mr. Davis football-wise doesn't know what to ask. And when you have people on your your committees, your staff that can ask those questions so you can hear those answers, I think that's a big a big part of it. How far can just the emotion in the locker room go when it compares to, okay, now we've got to put X's and O's, we've got to put game plans together, we've got to, you know, again, and, and where does Antonio Pierce go as far as uh, a head coach? Is he, do you think, okay, he's a defensive guy, we know that, but he was never even a coordinator before. He was a linebacker's coach. There's going to be some adjustment. He had the nine games underneath his belt here, but like I said, now he's got to run this entire operation how do you see him you know building the staff game day making those calls well from day one too he has to deal with the draft right he has to deal with mini camps he's got to deal with off-season program he's got to deal with training camps it's a little bit different than taking over for the last nine games so there's a lot there and that's why it's important for him and he's a smart guy i'm sure he's going to do it is to surround yourself with somebody that you can ask the questions of and get an answer that you feel like, okay, this is a really good answer. I like, I like what was said, but I want to ask somebody else I trust too to hear the other side of that, the why and why not. Why we hire this guy, why don't we hire this guy? Why do we have our practices this long, and why don't we have our practices? There's a lot to putting it together, but like I said, he's a smart, he's a very prideful young man, and I think he's going to do a great job. All right. Looking at uh, the other head coaches' openings, there are several, as we know, and the two big names (laughs) who both want NFL jobs, that is Jim Harbaugh and Bill Belichick, uh, they are both – in the process of having second meetings with the Atlanta Falcons. Why do you think this Falcons job is drawing attention? I don't know because the quarterback's not very good. Right. Um, well, they got two it, of them there. Know, Neither and, one are very then, good, right? And then I worked for Arthur, Mr. Blank before, right. so I don't know. <laughs> right? Right. Maybe he told him that I'll stay out of the and meetings. Does he seem like a, he's not a big budget guy, is he? I don't think so. Right? I, I wonder if he's saying, all right, I'll stay out of the meetings. And then that, that would be enticing yeah. in by itself mm-hmm. that he's not sitting in on all of the staff mm-hmm. meetings. But uh, no, I think the, the city, uh, the stadium, the facilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of that, and the roster's not that bad. You know, defense is not that bad. Uh, offensive line is not that bad. Quarterback's atrocious. Right. Uh, but, you know, you got a kid from uh, Minnesota sending messages out that, you know, Belichick gets the Atlanta Falcons job. He wants to go to Atlanta, Kirk Cousins. Yeah. So, you know, you never know. Um, I think it'll be an interesting marriage, uh, Mr. Blank uh, and Arthur Blank and uh, and and Bill Belichick. I think that would be quite a marriage, and I'd love to see, uh, you know, who's going to divorce who at the end. Yeah. So, if you got a choice between Harbaugh and Belichick, who are you choosing? Um, or does it really depend on the job itself and well, the personnel think, in place? I think both guys are going to go in and demand uh, a lot of say if not full authority mm-hmm. in, in drafting and trades and personnel and budgets, obviously, are part of it. But I, I think both guys are going to demand that. The question is, do you want a guy that's uh, staying and coaching so he can become the winningest coach of all time, or do you want a guy that wants to prove himself in the NFL because he's already proved himself in college? Mm-hmm. And you can say that Harbaugh's I mean, proved himself cho- in the vanilla NFL. Vanilla chocolate, right? Yeah, you right. Know? Right, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, he did a great job with Forty Nine. I mean, so, but uh, no Super Bowl unless I made a mistake, right? No. So that's he, now he's you know it'll be. I mean, he went, but he didn't win. Be something for him yeah. to get both, right? Right. And right. I'm excited for this playoff uh, weekend because I'm I'm really. Uh, fond of the Ravens because of my friend Todd Monk who's the offense coordinator and I said to my wife the other day I said Diane wouldn't it be wonderful if both brothers won the championship right one that would be a story now you mm-hmm. know yeah. one in college football and one in the NFL oh my god what a story they make a movie about it yeah you know yeah and we know those uh, guys have faced off against each other before you know in the yeah. NFL yeah 
John seems to be the more likable guy, uh, the Jim, but uh, they're both coach. And again, you know, you're talking about second generation. You know, their dad was was a great coach, and a lot of people don't remember that or don't think about that. But you know, hey, he won a national championship as well too, lower level. But he was a good a good coach on on the West Coast. Yeah, so it's it's going to be fun to watch uh, these next couple of days and see yeah. how this unfolds. Yeah, all right, hell of a story, won't it? What do you think about the Cowboys collapse and Mike McCarthy being retained by Jerry Jones? Well, I'm, you know, I'm a coach, and so uh, I think it's nice and fair that Jerry did something that I didn't think he'd do, and he kept Mike and gave Mike, uh, you know, some more time to build his program. There's some obvious flaws there, but there's also some good things, and there's also some great things. So uh, it'll be interesting to see the, t- the changes the Cowboys make. But I think at the end of the day, you know, the Cowboys have a great defense, but they're small, hmm. you know, and you can run on them. And I think people have proven that. And they're built for, you know, when they didn't get the lead in that game, I said, uh-oh, because they're built to play with the lead. Right. And there's been many teams over my tenure in the NFL, my 35 years, that were built to play with the lead. Mm-hmm. And when they didn't get the lead, it was a little bit tough. Right. You know, so I'm happy for Mike. I like Mike. I think he's done a great job. And I'm even I'm even uh, more happy for the Steelers. You know, I'm really fond of Mike. Mm-hmm. I'm happy that he's getting a chance to stay. When I was watching all the shows and they were... Uh, you know, saying it was time for him to part ways. I hit him with a little text message. Message. He got back to me, and I'm really excited that he finished with the three wins and got in the playoffs. Mm. You know, you're the coach. What are you doing with what Mason Rudolph did at the end of the year and what Kenny Pickett did for the season? It's tough. It's a it's a tough decision. You know, Kenny Pickett has potential. They didn't have the coordinator they wanted on staff. Uh, Rudolph's an experienced guy. He's, you know, won some games and he won some games. So he got him in the playoffs. So I think that's a tough call. I, I can't give you that answer. You know, that's, that's a, that's a tough call. And Press it, conference, he says, Kenny Pickett's QB1, yeah. but it's an open competition. But you know why he's going to say that? Because that's where your money's going. Yeah. I mean, you spent a first round pick on this guy. Yeah, they got to give him another chance. Yeah, but. Do you do you have to give him another chance just because of that if it's if it's clear that you know he's had more than a year almost two years to really prove himself and we're the, not I, and we're not seeing it. I think you got to give him another chance with a good a better coordinator, another coordinator. Give him a chance in a different system. Uh, you know, it stinks when you, you you're out there changing systems every year. It makes it right. harder on these kids to play. But I'd like to see him with a different coordinator, a guy that you know been successful in the league before, not some young guy, and see what he can do. But maybe it is a young guy. Who knows? Uh, but but I think what you have with Mason is you got to have proven that you can win with your backup. Right. You know. Back to Dallas, Dak Prescott. What do you think? I'm not as big a fan as my son is. Uh, my son bet him to win the MVP this year. So I didn't see that. But, you know, he did that early in whatever, August. Uh, just in the big moments, where, where is he? In the big moments, you know, you throw an interception on a, on a slant route. I mean, yeah. what, are you, what are you looking at? Biggest game of the year. What are you looking at? Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. so... I don't know if he's the one, but we'll find out. Pete Carroll, what do you think? uh, He's done a great job. I mean, uh, I'm I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not a a guy that's going to text Pete or do anything, even though I played for the Seahawks for 10 years, but I think he's done a great job with the program. Uh, I don't know the circumstances of him leaving. Maybe it was one one of those things where they said – you know, it's just not going anywhere. We need uh, we need some new blood in there, and I, and I get that. So, you know, we heard Belichick said I want to. He wants to continue to coach. We see Harbaugh, obviously. You know, when, that whole time he's going through everything in Michigan, he didn't say he was going to leave, but immediately he's taking these interviews. Obviously, you know, the writing was on the wall. And it looks like he's going to be an NFL coach. He's going to leave Michigan with Pete Carroll. It wasn't the age thing like it was with Nick Saban. Saban said, okay, yeah, I just I can't do it anymore. I'm 72. Pete's the same age, and Pete just basically said that, you know, uh, I'm fine. I can still do this. So makes you think, like, okay, what happened to Seattle? But they did offer him this advisory role, and he says, he goes, yeah. He goes, I'll, I'll, I'll be the advisor. He goes, we don't know what that means right now, what it looks like. He goes, but we'll figure it out. So 
Pete's name really hasn't been out there. He hasn't interviewed. So that's the kind of unknown. Like, what is going on with Pete Carroll in Seattle? Does he just want to say, that's enough, be an advisor? Or do you think he still, you know, wants to, to coach in the NFL and he wants to maybe be very, very picky on where he goes? Well, first off, I'm sure he's being paid well. I don't know how many years he has left on his contract, and I'm going to guess that has something to do with it. I think Coach Belichick only has one year left on his contract. Uh, I thought Pete just recently, if not last year, the year before, signed an extension. So he might have enough left on his contract where he could really give a flying, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and... and just say, all right, I'm going to stay in Seattle. Yeah, I'll take this role, whatever it is. But then I thought immediately after that, uh, he came out and had a little uh, stinging comment back towards the Seahawks. I can't remember what it was, but it, oh, it had something to do with uh, we couldn't agree on uh, roster moves or, or, or the roster and how we needed to upgrade the roster. And then once that, uh, and I've witnessed that multiple times in my career, once that, uh, the personnel and the head coach are, aren't on the same page, then it's over. Mm-hmm. Totally over. Right. You know? And with Pete Carroll, obviously there was that situation with Russell Wilson where people really didn't kind of know what was going on there. A lot of fans didn't understand it. But I think that now what transpired with Wilson in Denver where, you know, I think Pete was just kind of like taking maybe the heart stance and saying, listen, you know, you're, you're, what you're doing here, or what you want to do, or bringing these this other guys around the locker room, that doesn't fly here. Went to Denver, and we saw that didn't blow up, and Sean Payton says, that's not for us either. So maybe this all started in Seattle, and Pete Carroll kind of took a hard nose, and maybe they weren't on the same page between him and Wilson. Maybe Pete and front office weren't on the same page. Yeah, I, I'm going to pretty much guess that uh, Pete and Russell weren't on the same page. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, my son was a roommate with uh, Russell, my son Nate, at Wisconsin mm-hmm. uh, when my son was a backup quarterback there, and they roomed uh, together the night before the game. So we, my family is, uh, you know, has a relationship with Russell, and uh, we love Russell. But, uh, you know, Russell got big, man. You know, Russell big got, in the head. Uh, yeah, big in the pocket. Well, he's not tall. <laughs> yeah, so he, and he's not heavy. Yeah, so he got big somewhere. Yeah. You know, so he got, got big, big in, in the, the mar- po- marriage department too. Yeah, he got big in the pocket, <laughs> and he got big in the head, and uh, it it didn't pay off. Yeah, and it didn't pay off in two spots. You right. know, they ran him out of Seattle. Yeah, and then they, you know, they're going to run him out of Denver. Mm-hmm. So. Mike Tice in the house. All right, we come back. Uh, we'll analyze all four of these games. We've got best bets on the table as well, too. Looking forward to these divisional playoff games. And uh, we'll break it all down for you here on this Football Friday Inside the Superbook of the Westgate Las Vegas. The Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame celebration is back Sunday, February 4th at Thunder Valley Casino. Meet and greet the class of 2024. Matt Barnes, James Donaldson, Leon Lee, and Jamie Whitmore. Don't miss Sacramento's best sports night of the year. Food served between 6 and 7 p.m. Live entertainment with comedian Dennis Caxiola. Get your tickets now at Ticketmaster.com for the Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame celebration Sunday night, February 4th. All info, go to SacSportsHOF.com. T.C. Martin Show. There's only one thing we know for sure. The Giants of New York took on the Packers of Green Bay. The Dr. T.C. Martin. He was a most ripping victory by kicking an oblong ball made of pigskin to a big H. The doctor is now in. Live at the Westgate Las Vegas inside the Superbook. No better place to be to watch and wager on the games. All non-smoking, the 4K video wall, nothing like it. Be here, whether it's tonight for some NBA, some college basketball. Remember, the Rebels in action tonight against Colorado State. That game's in Fort Collins. And then two games tomorrow and then two on Sunday in the NFL Divisional Round playoff game. So we're hitting all that for you and more. T.C. Martin, Marco D'Angelo, our handicapper extraordinaire, and the coach, Mike Tice in the house here at the Superbook of the Westgate Las Vegas. Fantastic food options, as we know here as well. Not only just in the food court, but the great restaurants here as well at the Westgate. All right, we'll get into our best bets here uh, uh, real soon. But let's talk about this marquee game between Kansas City and Buffalo. The Buffalo Bills have plenty of injuries. The latest on that, Gabe Davis, their wide receiver, 
in uh, Taylor Rapp, their safety, Balen Spector, their linebacker, cornerback, uh, Christian Benford. They are all out, and uh, that is not good news for the Buffalo Bills. So you look at that, that's, this will be the second straight game missed by Gabe Davis and Taylor Rapp. Uh, after they suffered injuries in the regular season finale against the Dolphins. Specter and Benford both uh, were injured in the playoff game last week against Pittsburgh. You got linebacker Tyler Dobson has a shoulder injury. Cornerback Rasul Douglas, who came over from Green Bay, he's got a knee injury. They're trending towards playing in this game, so that will help. But uh, Stefan Diggs, Teron Johnson, Johnson with a concussion, Stefan Diggs with a foot injury. Uh, they're listed as questionable. And... Uh, the Buffalo punter got hurt last week as well, too. Yeah. So they signed a, a you know Mike, uh, Matt Houck. He's there uh, to come back. But, you know, I love Buffalo in this situation. But the injuries scare me a little bit. What do you think about this, Mike, when you, when you have these type of injuries and you have a Kansas City Chiefs team that even though they're used to hosting this game, first time Patrick Mahomes will be on the road, uh, you know, uh, First time in, in the last 16 games, so that's different. Buffalo, a tough place to play, but uh, how concerned are you about Buffalo injuries? Uh, a lot, but this time of year, it's, it's, it's the norm, and you have to, as a coach and a coaching staff, have a plan, and so far, Buffalo has had a plan, and at the end of the day, uh, you got that guy on the offensive side who has the ball in his hand every single time. Mm-hmm. He's going to be tough to beat. Uh, you know, the turnovers, so, you know, uh, Kansas City's minus 11 in the turnover ratio, and they haven't played on the road in the playoffs. They've played at, you know, in Kansas City every single time. So I think that's going to come to be a factor, but, I, you know, you got two great coaching staffs, two great, two great teams, both have some injuries, uh, but I think the difference could come down to the uh, Kansas City re- receiving core or lack of consistency with the receivers. Right. We've seen that problem all season long. A lot of drops, right? All right. Best bets. It's Football Friday, and time for the weekend's action. Here's the best bets. All right, rolling along our favorite part of the Friday show, of course, the best bets segment, where we give you our two best games of the weekend. We're going to let down a little bit. Normally three, but two this week with the four games are two best bets. Mike Tice, the head coach, he's going to join us. Marco D'Angelo in the house. And Trevor Maddich. There he is. Trevor take, uh, has taken a deep breath and exhale after his uh, marathon college football season. Now we dive into the NFL. Trev, how you doing, brother? I'm doing good, TC. I'm doing good. All right. The season's running down, man. College was great. Can't wait to see what happens at the end of the NFL season. All right, brother, let's go. You've been hitting it good here in the best bets of late, so kick us off here and start us off. Your two best best bets of the divisional round. All right, well, Tampa Bay is uh, getting six and a half at Detroit. And I'm holding my nose on this one, and I'm taking Tampa Bay and the points. The reason I'm holding my nose is that for Tampa, even though they've won six of their last seven, this is a big step up in competition. They've played some pretty bad appointments in the last or opponents over the last couple of months, and they've done well against them. But Detroit is a lot better. The reason I like them plus the points in this game is not that I think they'll win. I think Detroit wins this game. I think that Tampa can keep it close for two reasons. One is that the uh, Tampa offense is one of the best in the league on third and fourth down. The Detroit defense is one of the worst in the league on third and fourth down. That's one of the reasons. The other reason is the Detroit passing defense. Once again, they don't have to keep up with the Lions uh, altogether. What they have to do is keep the chains moving and score enough to keep it within six and a half. And the Rams, last week in the playoff game against the Lions, actually moved the ball up and down the wheel up and down the field at will. They had over 400 yards total offense, 22 first downs. The problem with the Rams and their one-point loss to the Lions last week was that they were 0 for 3 in the red zone. They lost by one point. And that's funny because the Lions are one of the worst red zone defenses in the NFL. So give the Lions credit for stopping the Rams when they had to. 
But I think Tampa is going to be able to do a lot of a lot of things against that passing defense. The other thing I want to pay attention to in terms of the Tampa passing offense against the Lions pass defense is that what Detroit has tried to do over the last month or so has been to make up for a really porous secondary by bracketing number one receivers. They've given up a lot of yards to number two receivers. Well, Mike Evans is the guy they'll have to pay attention to then from Tampa's offense in terms of receivers. But Chris Godwin and Trey Palmer are guys that I expect to have big games. So I think that Detroit wins, but I like Tampa to cover. And then the Chiefs are getting three points at Buffalo. I know that Buffalo beat the Chiefs in Kansas City earlier in the season. I understand that the Chiefs receiving core has been dropping balls like crazy, although I, I don't really count that against them last week against the Dolphins because of the weather conditions. The the weather will be a balmy, what, in the 20s in Buffalo, I think, so it, it won't be like it was in Kansas City when it was around zero, wind chill around minus 20. Uh, I think that the Chiefs receivers are going to be better. And that's going to be important because, TC, you mentioned the injuries on the Bills' defense. If this were uh, both teams healthy, I would definitely take the Chiefs and lay the or excuse me, the Bills and lay the points on this one. But because there are so many injuries for Buffalo, really concentrated in the secondary, I think that Patrick Mahomes will be able to find good matchups. And Rasheed Rice, his young receiver, has actually been stepping up in key moments down the stretch, including last week against Miami in that frigid wind chill. And so I think that the, the key to this game will be a relatively healthy Kansas City defense, a relatively banged up and depleted Buffalo defense, both quarterbacks outstanding. I'll take Mahomes against the depleted defense, so I'll take the Chiefs plus three. All right, Trevor's best two. He's uh, taking the dogs here, plus six and a half in Tampa Bay and plus two and a half with the Chiefs. Mike Tice, what do you got? Well, sorry, Trev. First thing I'm going to do is go against you, and I'm going to take the Detroit Lions on the field turf. I think there's too much speed there for Tampa Bay. They're a grass team. Uh, Detroit can run the football on anybody, averaging almost 136 yards a game. Of course, Tampa doesn't give up a whole hell of a lot of yards rushing, but as you said, Trevor, they haven't faced anybody like Detroit. I think Detroit has too many weapons. I'm going to take Detroit at home, and I'm going to take them to cover. And then there's the beatdown game. I, the 49ers, to me, just look too strong for uh, Green Bay. Yeah, Green Bay looked good last week against a Philadelphia team that's not playing for their coaching staff. Uh, he, he, I don't know how that Green Bay defense, who has really struggled all year, is going to keep up with an offense that averages almost 400 yards a game in the 49ers. Plus, you got the turnover differential, plus 10 for the 49ers, zero for Green Bay. Uh, great job by Green Bay getting into this game, but I think it's going to be a beatdown. All right, Mike Tice on the Lions and on the 49ers. Marco D'Angelo, what you got? I'm on the 49ers with you, Mike. This is a game, great game for Green Bay last week. Take nothing away from them. I've been a fan of Jordan Love uh, before everybody else has been jumping on the bandwagon lately. But I'm also going to point out, as good as he was in the second half of the season, and you look down the stretch, played some horrible teams, played the Giants, did play Tampa Bay. They lost that game. Played Carolina, played Minnesota, who was banged up at the end of the season and shuffling quarterbacks left and right, uh, Chicago, and then, of course, the Dallas game. Also point out, this is going to be their fourth road game in five weeks for Green Bay. It's going to take its toll, and they're not going against the Dallas defense that I don't know what they were doing last week. They're facing the number three defense in points per game allowed and the number eight defense in yards per play allowed, and You've got San Francisco that's a balanced team offensively, can run the football down your throat, can throw the football. I don't mind laying points with a big favorite. You always got to worry about the back door. But when you have a team that can run the football as well as the 49ers, when you're in the fourth quarter trying to protect the lead, you're doing something that you do well you can actually extend the lead. I'm taking the 49ers. I'm laying the points. And here's a little stat for you guys. In the playoffs, when you pick the winner of the game, it didn't work out for me with the Lions last week, is they won and didn't cover. But the winner of the game, whether they're the dog or the favorite, covers the spread 82 
99.7% of the time. That's since 2015. For the second one, Mike, I agreed with you on the first one, but we're bucking heads on the second one. I'm taking Tampa Bay. I'm going with my man. It sounds like a food bet. I I, I already owe two dinners. (laughs) (laughs) Going with Tampa Bay here, and I love Detroit, and I was with them last week, and they let me down not getting a win. But as I told TC, I know it's a playoff game, but I am worried that the Lions – after that emotional win last week, the first win in 32 years, you got people crying in the stands. You got a Jared Goff that played the game of his life, not statistically, emotionally, beating the team that gave up on him. I'm just worried they're going to be a little bit flat. And Tampa Bay is one of those teams that they're a nuisance. They're like a fly at a picnic. You keep swatting at them. They're good. They want you to play ugly. TC, we talked earlier about Air Force and college basketball. They have a way of getting you into their style of play. And I think that's what Tampa Bay is going to do here. I'm taking the points. I'm, for the contest, I only got six and a half. But you heard me tell Jay, I'm waiting until Monday or Sunday, right before kickoff. This thing will get to seven. I'm taking Tampa. It's not a contest. <laughs> this isn't a Seinfeld episode. <laughs> You made it a contest <laughs> for entertainment purposes only. All right, guys. Uh, I love San Francisco in this spot. Love San Francisco. San Francisco is the top defense right there with Baltimore. And I love defense, and I love rested teams that have defenses in this situation. Okay. I talked about it all week. Green Bay were the benefactors of a Dan Quinn defense where he made a mistake last week going zone coverage, and Jordan Love uh, found open receivers all over the yard there in Texas. Made no sense because he went away from exactly what Dallas defense normally does with their press and their man-to-man coverage. That's not going to happen with San Francisco because that's not who San Francisco is. San Francisco is ferocious on the defensive side of the ball. They got pressure up there. They got linebackers. They got cover guys. And Jordan Love is going to look silly this week. Anytime a team gets uh, wins as an underdog and they win by more than two touchdowns, they get drill pressed the week after. That's three teams in this in this uh, case. You got Houston in that situation. You got the Packers in this situation. You got Tampa Bay in this situation. Wouldn't surprise me if all teams get blown out in this one. This is a favorites weekend. This is a favorites divisional round, especially when you're talking about a team like San Francisco. I'll throw Baltimore in there as well, too. But I love San Francisco the most here. And laying nine and a half points, I'm not worried about it. Because Jordan Love, I'm still not sold on Jordan Love. Haven't been when he was at Utah State. Hasn't been with uh, as a backup with Green Bay behind Aaron Rodgers. And definitely not just because he has the keys to the car right now. Because I remember those games when he faced the New York Giants and looked terrible. Even the last week of the regular season in Lambeau against the Bears, he didn't look that good. And they had to win that game just to get in the postseason. And same thing against Carolina. In that 33-30 to game, are you kidding me? And then the Tampa Bay game that you've mentioned, Marco. No, not sold on Jordan Love, especially against the Niners. No, he's going to get his lunch taken to him this game. This has got blowout written all over it. Not worried about laying 9.5. Love the Niners. And let me add one more goodie for you guys here. All right? San Francisco 49ers with rest. Let me tell you what they did. Week one, they blew out the Pittsburgh Steelers 30-7. to Coming off their bye week, what'd they do? Beat Jacksonville 34-3 on the road. Both those games are on the road. And then Philadelphia, what'd they do after they played on a Thursday night? They had that extra rest, 42-13 on the road. Sure, there's a little revenge factor. And speaking of revenge, this isn't a revenge game, but the Niners remember how they exited the playoffs last year with Brock Purdy getting injured. It was embarrassing for San Francisco. They thought they were going to the Super Bowl. That offensive line will protect Purdy, not only in this game, but the rest of the games. I like 49ers all the way to Las Vegas here. So it starts this weekend. My second game here, I'm going to go with Buffalo. I just I understand the injuries and everything here, but Buffalo, it is their time. And here's the thing about Buffalo. They've beaten Kansas City before, okay? 
They haven't beaten them in the playoffs. They've beaten them in the regular season, so they're not afraid of them whatsoever. This is the first time that Kansas City has gone on the road in Patrick Mahomes, what, 16 times? Okay, 15 times prior. Now they have to go on the road. Yeah, it makes a big difference, especially when this Kansas City Chiefs team is not the same team that they've been in years past. Hence, that's why they're going on the road here. And what really... Uh, circles this game with Buffalo for me. I get the injuries, but I think if Douglas comes back and some of these other defensive pieces come back, they're going to be okay. Kansas City in the red zone is awful. They have been downright ugly and awful against a beat-up Miami team that was missing six starters on the defensive side of the ball. They still had to settle for field goals last week on their home field against a team that couldn't win a game in December. Well, they beat Washington the very first week, but they didn't win since. I'm talking about the Miami Dolphins. So great spot last week for Kansas City. We are on them. I was on them. You were on them, Mike. We are all on them. But this week, this is a dead go against. Buffalo laying two and a half. This is their time. This is their motivation. This is the revenge time because they've lost to Kansas City and two heartbreakers in Kansas City in the postseason. We remember two years ago, right? 42-36 when they gave the game away. They couldn't cover Travis Kelsey. That's not going to happen again where Kansas City goes down and scores the final 13 seconds. Wouldn't surprise me if this game is a runaway as well, too. But you're only asking to lay two and a half with Buffalo at home, snowballs be flying in this game. Give me go, go Buffalo, and give me that 49er gold, baby. <laughs> I love it. I love Gold it. rush, baby. We like it. Good job. All of our best bets on the website, all of ours, Mike Tice, Marco D'Angelo, Scott Spritzer, Gilby the Intern, all up there at tcmartinshow.com. Go check it out and read our preview up there as well. I it's not that I'm a big favorites guy or Kool-Aid here, but God, this just seems like a yeah. favorites weekend, doesn't I, it? It does. It really does. And I'm, I'm with you all the way. And I won't pick the Raven game because my one of my dear friends is the offensive coordinator. But I like him, though. Todd Mucker, I like him. That, I, yeah. Before I sent you my numbers this morning, my names this yeah. morning, yeah. I had the Ravens on it. But I don't want to jinx my boy. <laughs> and so I won't touch the game. I'm just going to root. Okay. <laughs> but right. I, I like the Ravens. The, yeah, right. Oh, and, 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 and that he, could be another blowout. Okay. You know? I sat here last week, and I took the Cowboys against the Packers. And I said, my only fear is the McCarthy and Prescott could screw this thing up. And that's exactly what. Well, then Dan Quinn really screwed it up, right, from the defense side. That was ridiculous. I worry about Lamar Jackson. He's 1-3 in playoffs. He's got four touchdown passes and seven turnovers in his four playoff games. They should be able to handle Houston. They should be able to handle him at home. But why, Mike, am I worried about Lamar Jackson? Because he hasn't done it in the playoffs. But this is a different Lamar Jackson. Help me and, out, brother. Come think, on. And I think Come on. Todd, push, push me to that, that purple Todd, side. Todd Monken has done a wonderful job developing him. He looks like a better pocket passer. Is Todd he? the difference, you think? I do. I, I How really long has Todd been with him? This year. That's it. Okay, yeah, good. This year. He Makes won me feel the better. last two national right. championships right. with Georgia. Georgia. Right. We worked together on the Jack Del Rio in Jacksonville. He right. was a receiver coach out of college, right. first time. And, uh, you know, the defense. I think the difference, both good defenses, don't get me wrong. But uh, Baltimore's created 31 turnovers. Yeah. And Stroud is a rookie still. Mm-hmm. And this is a rookie not playing indoors, playing in the cold. Mm-hmm. Against an elite defense outside, I think that's a big, big, a big reason why I, I like the Ravens. But again, I can't, I can't pick the game. But I'm rooting, I'm rooting hard, boy, for those Ravens. And you know, I'd love to see uh, Lamar because he's had such a great year and he's handled himself so professionally this year. And I, I'd love, and he's grown up, and I'd love to see him just go out and put it all together and have one of those games that everybody's talking about. Can I borrow your wallet for a second just to kind of like look at it, whatever, and then you could turn your head, and then uh, I'll uh, go to the window, and I'm going to place a ticket I'm from New York. I put my money in my front pocket. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put my I'll money go, in my I'll go wallet. make that bet for you. All right. I'll give you, I'll give you a ticket after the game. Oh, yeah. you know, we, you know, we, uh, we can get around those uh, things. You know? God, you're, you're, I'm rooting hard. I talked to Todd this morning. Right? They've had a great week. So they feel good, they, right? Yeah, they've had a now, great this, week. Now, this, so. this party is over. This party is over for Houston. The party's over for Green Bay. And I think the party's over for Tampa. Even though I can see where Marco's going with that because Tampa Bay does have experience 
experience in the playoffs. I, I agree, and, and they got experience, and, and they're they they're uh, they're yeah. they're plus number on the turnover ratio, which they I'm are. big on. I've been big on that. But since, their defense has got the shredded in but a lot of games. They're plus eight in turnover differential. That's, That's pretty good. That means that our, our guy's not turning the ball over. Yeah, but we'll see. All right, you know, we'll see. Marco, thoughts on Houston, Baltimore? I like the under in the game. You know, when you look at these two teams, you look at what Houston did last week, scored all those points. The Cleveland defense has been a total shambles the last half of the season, especially on the road. And then you look at Baltimore, throw out the last week, the last game of the season because they sat all the starters. The game before that, they scored 56. You look at just those two things, and Vegas hung a 43-and-a-half on this game. What people don't talk about, everybody's talking about the offenses of both teams. Both of these defenses are good. Yeah. Uh, Baltimore has held, I believe, four straight opponents to 20 points or less, and Houston, it's like four of their last five or five of their last six. Teams aren't scoring on them. They always... They look to the offense. You remember the last thing you saw. I think it's going to be a totally different game. And as you said, Mike, the elements are going to be a problem for C.J. Stroud. He's not, you know, he's not used to playing in that. Right. I mean, he played at Ohio State. You might get one or two games at the end of the year, the, you know, the Michigan game. But this is a whole different atmosphere. You're playing yeah. on the road in a playoff game outside Baltimore mm-hmm. in Late January, yeah. sixty sacks. The yeah. Ravens' defense has yes. sixty sacks. Yes, yeah. And uh, C.J. Stroud lit up the Georgia defense because they were number one. But that was indoors. Yeah. When you know when he was at Ohio, it's State different. You know, there was a study that used to be when I was with the Vikings. The indoor teams going in the cold, and it's going to yeah. be cold. It's not going to be frigid. Yeah. But what'd you say, twenty? Yeah. And, and it's still cold. Yeah. And uh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what he does with pressure. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about Stroud, obviously. Right. Right. Yeah. All right. Favorites train. Uh, Jay Cornegay and the, the group here. They're the guy, hoping. They're, they're hoping. They it. need one dog to win outright. Yeah. Not Kansas yeah. City. One right. dog not named Kansas City because that game's going right. to be, be right. split. Trevor, before we let you go, uh, thoughts uh, on, on the Baltimore game or anybody else? Well, the Baltimore game, the, the, you guys are talking about the rookie quarterback, C.J. Stroud. Baltimore is just deceptive i mean they they have disguised blitzes showing pressure at a very high rate but then they back out at a very high rate and then they bring people from places that the quarterback might not expect while having numbers in coverage and so that's a real mental game that cj stroud is going to have to deal with because they probably aren't going to bring a whole lot of people much of the time but they're going to threaten it. Stroud has to be ready for it. And then who actually does come will probably be slightly unexpected. And then he's going to have to deal with a whole lot of people in coverage. So this will be a really good test for that young quarterback. Yep. All right. Looking forward to it. My friend, enjoy your weekend. Eat well. And uh, hopefully we'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks, DC. Thanks, guys. Here right, it is. Trevor Maddich. All right. Our guy. Taking care of business. All right. I want to thank Jay Cornegay for uh, joining us and the head coach, Mike Tice, for rolling in here today, participating in the best bets. Excellent stuff, my man. Appreciate you. And, of course, Marco D'Angelo here as well, too. Always here with us on Fridays and uh, Mondays back in studio. All right. Enjoy the games this weekend. We'll recap it all for you on Monday. And, again, the Raiders making the announcement uh, Antonio Pierce, their head coach. We'll see who he hires for his staff, and we'll see if Champ Kelly gets uh, retained as the uh, general manager. He's in meetings with the Raiders right now as well, too. And Champ Kelly, by the way, he was on the committee of the head coach. I had uh, his brother uh, at the Minnesota, defensive back from Kentucky. Look at that. Yeah. See how how you're connected? I mean, look at that. You're old. When you're connected, that means you're old. (laughs) Huh, Marco? Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. I'm glad he's you know looked at Mark on. <laughs> Brother, appreciate you as All always. Right, man, we'll see. I owe you guys some dinner, so I'm here through the Super Bowl. So oh, that, that, you oh know. I'm putting this on the calendar. It's got to be, it's it be a weekday, yeah. though, man. At, at, you know what? I can. I eat seven days a week anyway. All right, bro. So, uh, let's it, work that out. It, there, let's do it. All, All right. right. Appreciate Nubchuck back in the studio and everyone else and our great crew here at the Westgate Las Vegas. Jay Cornegay, John Murray, and everybody here. T.C. Martin saying so long. We reconvene Monday. Have a great weekend and enjoy.